until Brother Oscar shows up, if he does. Oh, that's right. He's down in Texas. All right. Well, somebody needs to do some translating for me, if you don't mind. All right. Okay. Did you restart it, honey? All right. Well, let's go through real quickly uh, just just a review of what we talked about in the last few weeks. Um, The first week we talked about the importance of the confession of sins. And in that, I talked about 1 John 1.9 states what? What does 1 John 1.9 say? Go ahead, honey. Why'd you raise your hand? What? Go ahead. Finish it. And? There we go. She keeps walking out and not finishing up. All right. So we talked about the importance of the confession of sin. Why in confession of sin is important. And we also talked about uh, why we don't confess our sins. One of those reasons is we lie to ourselves and to others. We tend to walk in the ways of darkness when we no longer uh, no longer are long, walking in the truth. And also, we no longer confess our sins to God because we really don't believe God has the power over sin. Okay? So that's one of the first important things. Number one is confession of sin. Secondly, and this was the next week, was reading of God's Word. And I talked about the necessity of Bible reading. Number one, it comforts us. Number two, it convicts us of our sin. Number three, it creates light to show what we should do. And letter D, it can consecrates us to God. And E, it controls our thoughts. Lastly, the last week we had, which was what? Anybody remember? Hmm. Morning, Brother Glenn. Anybody remember what we talked about last week? Starts with an R. Nobody likes it. Yes. Reproof or rebuke. And I talked about some of the most important things. And I kind of gave a definition of rebuking. And what does that mean? There's about three words that are involved with rebuke. We know. Go ahead. What do you think rebuke means? You can give me in your own words. To correct. Okay. Um. We could say it means to check by reproof. Okay. Teresa, what do you think rebuke means? Same thing? Okay. Uh, Another word for rebuke is to reprove. Um, We mentioned that earlier. Uh, To reprehend. Reprehend, what does that mean? To detect fallacy. Which means, fallacy means the idea of falsehood or, or it's a lie. So, we're, we're, as a Christian, we have an important to realize that as Christians, uh, we're going to be rebuked and we will rebuke others. Why? I talked to a guy this week at work and um, he was talking about the idea of uh, Christ's birth and the celebration of it at this time of year. And we had a debate about it. And I explained to him where I stood and he stood where I stood. And I talked about the importance of the liberty that Christ gives us. Uh, to be able to, there's no mandate so much against 
celebrating Christ's birth and there, as much as there's no mandate for celebrating Christ's birth. But I explained to him the liberty that Christ gives us. I'm not going to rebuke him if he doesn't want to celebrate it or if he does want to celebrate it. I am know that the Bible gives us specific, clear guidelines. If some brother of mine were drinking alcohol, I would go to him and say, Brother, I don't think that's right. Um, if a brother of mine was, uh, was forsaking the assembly of ourselves, I would come to him and say, Hey, you know, maybe you should come to church more often. Why? Because there's direct guidelines and understanding. I would be what? rebuking them. Now, there's ways that you can rebuke it in such a sense that's not going to cause, uh, the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. This idea that we have to blow off the handle to rebuke someone, that's not how we rebuke. The way to rebuke is to tell them gently, tell them softly, tell them as a brother, tell them as someone that loves them and cares for them. Many times Christians get into this uh, this rut thinking that uh, the best way to rebuke someone or reprove someone is yelling at them. Our own children, sometimes we do that too. We yell at them, we scream at them. I'm trying to work that with myself. Last night I lost it. Kids are just driving us nuts. I have two little babies screaming and I have three little ones running through the house. And finally I just says, gosh! And God convicted my heart. He says, no, don't be yelling. Sometimes it's real easy, though, to yell. Why? Because it's our flesh. But if you do it in a soft answer, say, eh? how does the Holy Spirit deal with you? Does the Holy Spirit yell at you? The Bible talks about a still, small voice. It's very easy, the Holy Spirit, if we're listening to Him, to hear Him. And a lot of times, if we're careful enough, or well, we're not careful, we get ourselves so wrapped up in whatever we're doing, we're not listening to what the Holy Spirit has to tell us. And that's the same way it should be as a parent. So rebuke, what is rebuke? We know it as something that we use as a way not only to for our own lives, people come to us, we get rebuked by the Word of God, we get rebuked by another Christian, we get rebuked by what pastor preaches from the pulpit. We learn. And if we don't ever get rebuked, what do we become? Uh, if you want to turn there, turn to. I'm sure, I got this correct. Proverbs chapter nine. If we don't take rebuke or we don't take reproof, what happens in Proverbs chapter nine, verse eight? Bible says in in that chapter that there's two things that we become. Number one, we either become a scorner. Or number two, we become a fool. Why? Because it's through wisdom, the wisdom that we receive from someone that is rebuking. It says in chapter, or chapter 9, verse 8, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man. And what does it say? He will love thee. The importance there is what? Listening. There's times we have to listen. There's times we have to take that still small voice and say, okay, is there something that the Holy Spirit is guiding me to do? Um, I was just talking to this, and this will kind of use a good transition to what we're going to talk about today, but I was talking about the, I, I was walking outside the uh, uh, 7-Eleven downtown, and as I was walking out, I saw this man, it was, it was, it was last week, I believe, I think we had some really bad snow, and it was just nasty out. It was a cup last, not this last Saturday, but the Saturday before. 
And I walked outside the 7-Eleven. I just bought myself a nice warm coffee. It felt great. It was drinking it. And as I walked out, I saw this guy. Or I'm sorry. As I walked in, I saw this guy that was standing out there. He was sitting on the ground, cold, hard ground, underneath the awning. He wasn't asking for anything, but he had a cup. And I just thought, man, this guy must be desperate. The fact that he would actually stand outside of 7-Eleven and really need something. And, you know, maybe, maybe that guy wouldn't spend uh, money on drugs, but I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit guided me to what? Give it to that man. To be quite honest with you, he doesn't deserve it. Uh, we don't deserve the good things, but God leads us to do things. And sometimes those things include giving and forgiving. So this week we're going to talk about the importance of giving and forgiving. Giving and forgiving. And we're going to take our um, our text today will be Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. And we, if you know this passage well, you know that this is where uh, Peter talks to the Lord and asks him, Lord, how long, shall, how often shall my brother sin against me and forgive him? And what was the Lord's response in this in this chapter, in this text? Brother Lewis, what is what did the Lord respond to Peter? How many times did Peter need to forgive his brother? Very simple. That is correct. Seventy times seven. Jolly Rancher, brother. did when he talked about this aspect, but I do want to kind of look at forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. You know, sometimes we as Christians forget how good God is in this area. You think about it for a second. Um, When we walk out the door in the morning and we sin before a holy and just God, the one that sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins, what really are we saying? We're not really looking at the great gift that God gave us in the right light. We think about this time of year when people celebrate Christ's birth. You think about what a sacrifice it was for Christ to come down. And I heard this illustration this week. I thought it was a really good illustration. There was a man and his wife, and the man was unsaved, the woman was saved. And each year they try to get their father to come with them to church. And uh, this year... um, she invited him as well, and he says, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't believe what you're talking about. I'm somewhat agnostic on the idea of God. And so what did he do? He stayed home. And he stayed home, and, and uh, as the day got darker, you know, he said, well, I'm just going to go get my newspaper out. And he started reading his newspaper. And as he was reading his newspaper, all of a sudden he heard this thump, thump, thump. And he kept on hearing it. And he says, what? What is that? So he goes to his window and he looks out to his window and there was these these birds that had flew into the wide pane window that was in front of his his house. And he says, wow, he says, these birds, man, they're he says, man, they're stupid. They flew right into that window. 
He says, well, let me see what I can do. So what did he do? He, he says, you know, oh, maybe I'll just shoo him over there. So he knew there was a nice warm barn where they kept the ponies and the horses that, their, that his kids rode on. And so he tried to shoo him over. And uh, that didn't work. And so he, he thought of other ways. And every way just seemed like it didn't work. He couldn't get these birds to fly. Brother Oscar, I didn't think you'd be here today. Good, good to see you. And he tried to get these birds to fly, and he realized, he looked at himself, and he realized that he was the strange creature that was trying to get them to do something. He says, well, he just does. they don't understand what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to get them to a point where they understand that I'm here for them. I'm not trying to harm them. I'm not trying to do anything wrong. What would I do? And he says, you know, maybe I, if, I, if I just gave them some food. And so he started taking that food, and he started dropping it on the ground, hoping the crows would follow him. And guess what? The crows didn't follow him. They just did their own thing. And here's this man. He started to realize that as he was doing all these good things, he started to come back to the same idea of what God did for us. Jesus Christ bled and died. Jesus Christ gave us every gift to point us in the right direction. He gave us the gift of everlasting life. He feeds us. He protects us. And yet at the same time, we as Christians forget how good God is. We forget His forgiveness. We forget His love. And so sometimes those very things that God is trying to get us to understand in our lives, we forget that God has forgiven us. You know, maybe you, maybe you say, man, brother, I've had issues with sin lately and I'm trying to get over them. I'm trying to be faithful to Christ. And I fail and I just feel like I just can't do it. We go back to the first lesson. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, Jesus Christ forgives you for those sins. What did He tell the adulterous woman as she sat there as they were about ready to stone Him? And all the ones that were going to stone the adulterous woman walked away. What did He do when He looked at that lady? What did He say? Go ahead. Go and sin no more. Jesus Christ wants us. He knows we're sinners. He knows that we're going to do wrong. He knows that we're going to do things that are unfaithful to Him. But the great thing is, is God loves us. And because God loves us, He also, what? Forgives us. Now, how far should we take that in our own Christian lives? I, I want to go to something very important. And we're in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Through 35, it says, Then Peter came to him, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which should take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not paid, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had in payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found, out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellowship servants fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. 
So when his fellow servants saw that which was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him and unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should thou not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father also do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Listen to me. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave the, the ultimate penalty for death, for sin. And what happened? We accepted that great gift. Are we more than Jesus Christ? Are we more than the Lord? Is the servant better than his master? I think not. Jesus Christ is so willing to forgive us. How, how are we not to forgive others? You know, there's a lot of times we're going to... It's a part of the Christian life. And I talked about the importance of the maintenance of the Christian life. And the importance of being able to maintain a Christian life. Listen to me. If you can't learn to forgive, you will never have a successful Christian life. And why is that? Because, listen to me, forgiveness is one of the first points that Jesus Christ did for us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 32. God's command is that we forgive. The Bible says, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. What does it say? Forgiving one another. And how does he say that we should forgive? And why should we forgive? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, it's so important to understand. And listen to me, it's going to happen to you. It could be a spouse. It could be a brother in Christ. It could be a sister in Christ. It could even be a fam unsaved family member. Or an unsaved co-worker. There go someone's going to offend you. But, should we forgive? I think definitely. We should show that love and kindness that the world does not offer. What does forgive mean? Uh, forgive means to pardon. To remit as an offense or debt. To overlook an offense. And treat the offender as not guilty. The original and proper phrase is to forgive the offense. To send it away. To reject it. That is, not to impute it. The idea there is that you never see the person's offense. That's pretty intense. We love to hang on to things, don't we? Especially you women, right? Hmm? I have to admit, my wife's pretty good to me. <laughs> my wife's pretty good to me. She doesn't hold on to some of those mistakes that I've made in the past. But well, we've known people, don't we, honey? Uh, people in our family that, I won't say who, but that used to hold on to things year after year. You know, something bad would happen. What would they do? They'd bring it up again, wouldn't they? Oh, you did this and this and this and this. There once was a pastor had a young woman in his church and she claimed that she had had a vision of Jesus. Her pastor decided to test her truthfulness and ordered that next time she had a vision, she would ask Christ what the pastor's primary sin had been before he became a Christian. Mm 
Some months later, the woman returned and the pastor asked her if she had asked Christ the question. To which she affirmed that she had. And what did he say? The pastor asked apprehensively. Christ said, and the the woman paused for a moment. He said, I don't remember. We have a God who not only forgives, but also forgets. Now, I use that cute story to identify with the importance of how good God is to us and how we, as Christians, should have that same passion. You know, sometimes it becomes very easy. And you know what? We're human and we're going to see mistakes of others. We're going to see the mistakes of us. And you know what? Sometimes it's very easy to remember the mistakes of others and forget that we also make mistakes. I remember a while back I made a huge mistake on uh, one of the cars that I'd taken pictures of. I used some old pictures that of the same similar car, but it had some added features to it. And I remember feeling how guilty I felt and how bad I felt about making that mistakes. And you know how funny it was after I'd made that huge mistake that uh, caused some problem with the customer. That how easy it was to forgive someone else of the mistakes that they made towards me. I realized that we're all human. We're all going to err. How easy it is, though, to become self-righteous. Think that we don't make mistakes. And I think this, this point should be made more in the Christian circles around us today. Now, what does the Bible tell us that if a man become overwhelmed in a fault? What does it say? Does anybody know? Restore him. Now, does that mean that we uh, take what he has done and say, well, you know, he, he's done something really wrong and, and so we're going to forgive him? No, there needs to be a point where he actually saw what he's done as wrong. If a pastor gets up in the pulpit, does that stop him from being a pastor? Yes. If a pastor commits some type of fornication or some type of adultery or some type of theft, does that make him okay to stand in the pulpit? No. The Bible is specific about qualifications. But does that mean we don't forgive that person? Especially if they come and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I've done wrong. Do we hold that grudge in our heart? It goes as far as other pastors, not just pastors, but it could be someone that is in uh, the church. I've seen churches fall apart because we forgot to forgive. God is very important. It says in Romans 5, 6 and 8, it's where when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an excellent example! Jesus Christ, even though we were sinners and we were doing everything against Him, He still loved us as far to say, I am going to forgive you. What is the root of forgive me? And I thought this was very interesting. I was talking to my wife about it this morning. The idea of forgive is, first of all, for. What does for mean? For means, in the radical sense, is to pass, to advance, to reach, or stretch. 
What does give mean? We know what give means, but it means to transfer, to give something from you to me. So I'd like to say that forgive means is an advanced transfer. How is it an advanced transfer? You give something to someone way before you'll ever receive it. What does that mean in the idea of forgive? It means that you're going to forgive someone way before they even come to you or talk to you about it. I love this story. There once was a young, there uh, once was a lady that had a 16 or 20 year old son who was murdered in 1993 by a 16 year old by the name of O'Shea Israel, a young boy who was involved with drugs and gangs. During an altercation in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Israel pulled a gun on Bird and ruthlessly shot him four times. Three shots to the chest and one to the head. Even at the time, Israel recalls being unable to pinpoint a reason for his senseless reaction. After, he, after me pulling out the gun and shooting, I just kind of stepped outside of my body from that point, he recalls in the GMC TV episode covering the story. When we were in the car, I just heard people saying, Why did you shoot him? Why did you do that? I really didn't have any answers. Naturally, Johnson recalls the emotional horror she faced as a result of the crime. This is the, the victim's mother. I hated him. I viewed him as an animal. He deserved to be caged, she explained in a recent clip from the show. And that was absolute justice. That's what I wanted. But at some point, these strong emotions began to simmer and Johnson claimed she could feel the Holy Spirit speak telling her to pray for the young perpetrator who had killed her son. I felt something leave me. All the junk that I had been holding onto for 12 years, it was gone, she recalls. Noting the powerful feeling she experienced upon finally forgiving Israel, I just knew that I was free. In the end, the young man served 17 years behind bars. Upon release, Johnson was feeling so charitable and forgiving that she not only invited the murderer to live next door to her, but she also became good friends with him. Now the two neighbors regularly share their story of pain and redemption with audiences. Wow, what a powerful story. But I really believe it started with something very specific. And what was that? It was the Holy Spirit's guidance. We cannot, as Christians, we cannot on our own forgive someone. Why is that? Because we are just flesh. We are corruptible. But instead, if we're given over to the Holy Spirit and we're given over to His guidance, you know what eventually will happen? We'll be able to forgive. Because we're not the one forgiving. You know who forgives? The Holy Spirit. His guidance. Giving us to be able to forgive someone. You think about something as horrible as murder. I can't imagine if one of my daughters was hurt or if she was murdered by someone else for some, uh, uh, some reason. How, how angry in my heart I would feel. But my question is, would I be able to forgive? Think about this lady that just went through this. How was she able to forgive the very man that murdered her son? And I really believe it's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit guiding and forgiving. As spouses, how do we forgive? You know, we make some huge mistakes, don't we? We're going to do things that are just not going to please one person or another. But the question is, how do we forgive? 
it begins with a... I go back to all these things we've been talking about. And you think about how important it is to maintain our Christian lives. But it starts with confessing our sins. It starts with reading God's Word. It starts with receiving rebuke and receiving reproof. It starts with all of these things. Why? Because you need to have these every day or you'll never become a successful Christian. You say, why? Because this is the way God's planned it. This is the way His Word has told us to live. Listen to me. A good Christian life does not come by chance. You can't just say, well, you know, I've gotten saved. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'll just keep living whatever I feel is the right way to live. Go ahead. If that's the way you feel. But you know what? In the Old Testament, the Israelites did the same thing. And you know what happened in the Old Testament? The Bible says that they lived by what was right in their own eyes. And eventually what happened? The Israelite nation fell apart. There was no guidance by the Holy Spirit. There was no guidance by God. And eventually what happened? The Israelite nation was destroyed. How much different are we as Christians when we don't do what God has expected us to do? Do you think that a successful Christian life is going to just appear one day and you're going to have a revelation from God and you're just going to walk with God? No, it comes by work. It comes by determination. It comes by saying, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Just show me. Do you think, God, if you had that type of attitude, that you would have success over sin and success over your own flesh? Listen to me. All these steps that I've given you in the beginning, reading God's Word, uh, forgiving, uh, even a step before that, which was what? Thankfulness and gratefulness. Listen to me. All these things, if you're not following them, if you're not reading God's Word, if you're not praying, how do you ever expect the Holy Spirit to bring you to a point to forgive someone that's wronged you? You can't. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Listen to me. God's law is really what's going to bring us to a point of forgiveness of someone. Love of someone. When when your spouse wrongs you, what do you do with that? Do you blow up? Do you lose it with them? Or instead say, they're a sinner just like me. I forgive them. Let's move on. Maybe you could point out in the idea of rebuke and reproof, especially if they're a Christian brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you can sit down and say, honey, I wasn't happy with what you did. But do you hold on to it as a grudge? A lot of times we do, don't we? This, my husband, he did this. Or my wife, oh my goodness, she did this. How do you expect to be able to have that same attitude of Christ? The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you have the mind of Christ? God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. What does it say? To forgive others, even as Christ hath forgiven you. Man, there are so many things that Christ is expecting us to do to be like him. But yet we don't want to. Why? Because it's easier to hang on to something. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. Turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men? Okay. And holiness. Okay. What is holiness? What is holiness? No sin, right? God is holy. He knows he's not a sinner. Holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Wow. 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God. And what does it say here? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby may be defiled. Do you know that bitterness sometimes causes people health problems? Do you know that? Do you know that, you know, you ever heard of ulcers? <laughs> it comes from a lot of worrying, doesn't it? Sometimes it comes from bitterness. Listen to me. As Christians, what? Are we to be bitter towards people? No. The Bible calls it a root of bitterness. I, I, uh, one of the things I hate about my yard is that we have these dandelions that pop up. And I get crabgrass. Brother Eddie knows about that crabgrass, right? We had some crabgrass out here. Man, it's no fun. You go out there and laying on the ground and getting those roots out. Why? Because if I don't get all of the root of that crabgrass up or all the root of that dandelion get up, you know what eventually happens? It comes back up. Listen to me. There's been times in my life that I have had roots of bitterness. And you know what? In times when I was trying to get right with God, trying to change my life, and try to do these things. You know one of the first things that God spoke to my heart about? It was that little bit of bitterness that I had towards someone. And it wasn't until that I actually went back and talked to that person, reached out to that person, that I started receiving that type of peace again from God. Why? Because God gave me that peace. Because that root of bitterness was no longer there. Listen to me, folks. You can't hang on to it. You have to forgive. You have to forgive and not only forgive, but act as the Bible or as the definition says that like it never happened. Love like it never happened. There's consequences for sin. Listen to me, folks. There's consequences. I gave the example of a pastor that, that would fall into sin. You would have to tell him he'd have to step down. If a brother in Christ are to offend you, you know what? There's going to be some things that you're going to have some trust issues. But you still love them as you did before. There's no difference. Why? Because you are to be like Christ. And forgive. There's a story, humorous story. Some of us Christians are like this. Late one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska. How do you like that name? A weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. The waitress had just served him when three tough-looking hombres, hmm? Spanish, how you like that? Hmm? Leather jacket motorcyclist of the Hell's Angels type decided to give him a hard time. Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed the hamburger off his plate, another grabbed a handful of fries, the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. How would you respond? Well, this trucker did not respond as one might inspect. Instead, he calmly arose, picked up his check, and walked to the front of the room and put the check and his money 
on the cash register and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in the till and stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers said, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. Now, some Christians are like that, aren't they? Oh, yeah. We're, we're calm and collective when it's happening to us. But we, we hold a grudge inside. And if any way we can cause harm to that per- person or cause some type of error and pop up, guys at work are like this. Man, I tell you what, irritates the fire out of me. I work very hard. I try to take pictures of every vehicle. But if they could find one little error, one little thing, and everybody's their critic at the, at the website, because everybody sees it. Customers, salesmen. And so a customer might call in and say, hey, you know, this says it's got an automatic transmission, but it really in the picture says manual transition. Even though I don't put the descriptions on there per se. But they still look at me. They want to cause some type of bitterness. And you know why it's like that? I told my wife, I know why. I talk to them about their cussing. I tell them, don't cuss around me. I point out their error. I rebuke them. Why? Because I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm trying to live by faith. So one little error is all it takes. Now, my response to them should be what? Should it be one of, how could you talk about me? You guys, you guys make mistakes all day long. Or should I say, you're right. And you know what? Even though they might have some type of problem with me, I still need to forgive them for their attitude towards me. I've had them cuss at me and say things to me. But does that mean I have to reach out the same way that they're treating me? No, I have to have that attitude of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. We talked about 32 earlier. What did 32 say? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. No, I think I... Yeah, read verse 31 for me. Verse 31, or 32, says, And be kind one to another. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. But 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all what? Malice. Wow. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Are we to hold any type of grudge toward another brother or sister in Christ? No. Are we to love them? Yes. We are to give them that same type of reaction that Jesus Christ gave to us. It's important to understand that God is in control of our lives. And without Jesus Christ, without His blood, listen to me, we would be just like everyone else. So let's quit kidding ourselves. Let's quit acting that we're self-righteous. Instead, let's say, okay, God, show me how I can change my life. Show me how I can make a more important impact on the lives of the people around us. And be willing to what? 
forgive. Because really when you forgive, what are you giving? You're giving something back to that person that they never will receive. You're giving them somewhat what? Mercy. You're giving them grace. Realizing that the same person that did that to you, Jesus Christ, loved you so much that even though when you were condemned, what? He loved you. And He sent His only begotten Son to die for you. Let's not forget that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray as we make changes in our lives, Lord, that we make it applicable to every area of our life and not just parts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would please bless, Lord, this uh, in time of instruction and teaching. I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to change our lives for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen.